This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3643, for Wednesday, the 20th of July, 2022. Today's show is entitled, My Computing History and the Software I Use. It is the first show by new host BinRC and is about 56 minutes long. It carries an explicit flag. The summary is, rambling about my computing history and tech stack. Okay, so this is a re-record. Um, I previously recorded this uh, in my car, but my voice recording application crashed. Uh, the idea behind recording in the car was that it's easier to noise reduce um, uh, constant road noise than the hypothetical dog barking and birds chirping. But hopefully I'll be able to normalize this a little bit better. Uh, I had two audio records. Actually, the first time I recorded the episode, the quality of, of the content wasn't there because um, I was very tired. Uh, but I have very long drives home. Uh, I'll try not to uh, to peak the mic and kind of cause uh, audio problems because I will try to normalize it in the end. Um, so basically, uh, I'm in this show. I want to talk about in my computing history. I might have to pause halfway through and get a drink because I just finished recording and I, I'm kind of hell bent on getting this episode <clears throat> uploaded. Um, and I will attempt to speak uh, more clearly because I don't have road noise right into my actual microphone, not just. Uh, a uh, microphone that plugs into the three and a half millimeter audio jack on my phone. Um, so let's see how I got started in computing. Uh, the first time I remember touching a computer, uh, my mother had purchased a Dell Dimension. Uh, it's right next to me. I'd have to pull it out and make a lot of noise to look at. It. I think it's 2600 or 4600. Um, but that's what it was Dell Dimension. Uh, I think she probably paid way too much money for it. You all remember growing up, the, you've got mail sound, because your mom had a whole bunch of uh, AOL CDs, right? The free trial AOL CDs. Um, it was a Windows XP machine. Um, I remember playing Space Pinball on it and Kid Picks. Uh, I really liked Kid Picks because... You know, you had all the cool ways of making art that mom wouldn't let you touch in real life because it was too messy. Uh, you know, the spray paint one or the rainbow one. Uh, Kid Picks was a very fun game. Um, I need to see if I can find find a Kid Picks uh, CD somewhere. Um, see if I can't get it to run through wine or something. I, I bet you it's old enough. I bet you it'd just work. Um I think that was the earliest memory. I still have that tower. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't actually run. Uh, the tower's non-functional. The motherboard just rusted out. Uh, it got left inside of a garage for many years. Um, and as you know, heat and humidity changes, are drastic drastic temperature and humidity changes will cause uh, your computer to fail. Um, I, I haven't checked it. It's in a box somewhere. Uh, I actually know exactly where it is. Um, 
but I'm not going to pull it out. It doesn't work, and I don't know why I still hold on to it. It's, it's garbage. I've salvaged all the functional parts from it, uh, but it's still here somewhere. Um, and then I think the next thing, uh, the next computing memory I have is is sort of the uh, the American memory that, that most of us share uh, what we might call the Microsoft indoctrination classes. Um, indoctrination because, you know, Church of Emacs and, you know, the evil, evil Church of Bill Gates, Microsoft indoctrination classes in school. Uh, but that's really what it, what it is and was, is Microsoft would give schools free Windows licensing, uh, free Microsoft program licenses, uh, in order to teach students how to use Microsoft specific tooling. Um, and I didn't particularly enjoy these classes because, um, you don't actually learn how the computer works. It's almost click the button to do the thing. Um, the old, the only skill they teach you is how to navigate the seven circles of, of context menu hell. And there's not really much theory behind it. Uh, like I said, it's just click the button to do the thing. Um, and that's not very enjoyable, um, an enjoyable way of using computers or really even all that productive way, a way that's all that productive of using computers. Um, I think the next, uh, computing memory I have, the next big one is sometime in high school, I took a... The, so the state that I live in, the education system is kind of strange. So, uh, not only do school districts have classes, right? You can take like online specific classes, uh, but there is, uh, there are classes, um, that the state puts on, uh, so, you know, state of whatever game development class. So, so in high school, it was a game development class in air quotes. It was more so a game theory class, uh, you know, the theory behind video games and sort of that type of thing. I don't remember very much about it uh, because the other, the other uh, boys in the class and I... Um, it was a small class, right? It was, you know, an elective, uh, sort of shoehorned in, uh, the, 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 we did get like a supervisor, right? She didn't teach the class cause it was online and supervisor is the wrong word. Um, but that's the only word I could think of because she supervised, uh, supervised, uh, us in order to make sure we we're actually doing work and not just watching YouTube videos in class, uh, in that class time. Um, so we finished the coursework quite quickly. Uh, that was kind of one of the things about the online classes is it's very easy to finish them um, because you just sit down and work and you just get it done, uh, especially if it's intuitive stuff. Um, you can kind of cut out the middleman for your I finish the class uh, credit um, by doing it online. And you learn just about as much, which is not a whole lot. Uh, but we finished early, so the supervisor, that's the wrong word, but I'm going to keep using it. Um, the supervisor for the class, uh, she said, Hey, why don't you guys learn, um, something about web development? Cause you still have half a trimester of this, this hour of class left and you can't just do nothing. Uh, so she set us on to W3 schools, I think is the one where she sent us. 
I, I don't like currently I don't like W3 schools and very quickly I learned to, to dislike it uh, because it's not very useful um, compared to the Mo Mozilla developer documentation uh, the Mozilla docs are much more thorough and they tell you what is and is not standards compliant, what is and is not deprecated, what is and is not best practice. Um, although I disagree with the Mozilla documentation when, when they suggest people use uh, non-free text editors and sort of uh, non-Unixy text editors or I guess traditional text editors. Use an IDE. It's like you don't need an IDE for, for web development. It's just markdown. Uh, right. That's what the M and HTML stands for is markup. You don't need an IDE to do any heavy lifting for you whatsoever. Um, even with CSS or PHP or JavaScript, you know, just, just learn how it works and you don't, you don't need to use the, whatever IDE Mozilla tells you. Um, uh, but that's kind of a tangent. Um, something, a tangent, tangentially related to, Web development is the Mozilla documentation telling, instructing people to go go and pay for Visual Studio, uh, which is sort of counterintuitive to their entire open source mission. You know, go use this proprietary editor that's based on our, our uh, Google Chrome. Uh, that that's our enemy. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense that they would even recommend uh, that editor um, when there are a million free editors. Uh, to choose from, um, that, that are quite frankly more more practical and more more functional and uh, uh, more usable. Right, stay out of your way. That that's my end goal in an editor is something that stays out of the way. But I can talk about editors later. I'm talking about computing history. Uh, so shortly after that that web development class or that sort of uh, nothing burger of a uh, uh, of a game dev class turning into a web dev class. Uh, my mother had bought me a uh, HP netbook. And for any, anyone who's ever had to use an HP netbook, I, I think you'll resonate with me that it, trying to get anything done, trying to do any work whatsoever on an HP netbook, uh, it's an exercise in futility. And and it's uh, it's a penance in itself. Right, a penance for the sins of the fathers, the fathers who thought it was a good idea uh, to build this this darn thing, uh, you know, the netbook crap. Um, but the, but l let me talk about this netbook. Uh, I, I think it may it, it kind of forged me into a better Unix user, more systems administrator -y type person, uh, because it was so painful to use. Okay, so the hardware specs on this thing. Uh, 20, I think it was 25 or 32 gigabytes of, of internal storage. Uh, that storage is EMMC, I think is the acronym. Uh, what, what, the, what type of storage it is, right? In layman's terms, it's basically an SD card welded to, or soldered to the motherboard. Uh, weld is the wrong word here. It's basically an SD card soldered to the motherboard. <laughs> Which means the more you use it, the more, uh, unreliable it becomes, right? Each time your laptop dies, which laptops do, the power goes out, right? As a battery, each time the laptop dies, it becomes, uh, you know, you're taking a gamble on whether or not it'll turn back on or even boot. Um, I think it had four gigabytes of RAM. It, 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 so enough to get things done. Um, not using Windows 10 though, right? That's what it came pre-installed with was Windows 10. Uh, 
uh, you know, four gigabytes of RAM and 32 gigabytes of disk space. That's about the minimum that Windows 10 operating system can run on without any programs, without any external programs whatsoever. Uh, and you know that 32 gigabytes of disk space, that's, that's a bare bones Windows 10 installation and you can't even uh, run updates. Uh, uh, so what happens in Windows 10 is, you know, you get a, you get the Microsoft gun put to your head, update now or else, uh, you can't use your computer anymore. You know, sort of that scary message that, you know, the forced updates that we all, uh, suffered through. I think I've had a Celeron too, but that's almost inconsequential. Uh, Windows 10 doesn't work if you don't have four cores, right? You Celeron's single core, two threads, uh, and it's very underpowered for, um, the garbage, the, the garbage fire, the big dumpster fire that is Windows 10. Um, uh, but it was unusable, right? Windows 10 is entirely unusable on every piece of hardware. Uh, what that means is uh, you can't even try to get by on something as minimal as a netbook. Uh, so I asked around and a friend told me that I should install uh, Linux because Linux just works. Um, I think that was his words, right? Uh, just works trademark trademark uh, Unicode character, um, which is kind of funny because that's what I tell people now. Why are you using Windows? Linux just works trademark Unicode character. <laughs> kind of a funny thing. Um, so I said, uh, okay. So I looked what Linux was and I was like, there's a lot of these. What, what one should I install? Uh, and he said, you can pick Ubuntu, but it's kind of big. It's kind of heavy for that little netbook. Uh, and sometimes Ubuntu can be a pain, uh, when it breaks. Uh, so he said the, the latest, you know, baby's first Linux distribution, the popular one right now, uh, that's gaining traction and, you know, the traction's useful because you have other people asking the same questions and, you know, Googling the same things, asking the same things on, uh, stack, stack overflow, um, specifically with uh, the distribution name in the title. Uh, this distribution was Linux mint. Um, so I went to their website. And I said, hey, uh, there's a lot of different downloads here. What one should I pick? And he said, uh, that those are basically just different desktop environments, different uh, usage paradigms. He says, kind of like iPhone versus Android, how you use them a little bit differently, even though under the hood, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, under the hood, they're both Unix systems. Uh, both non-GNU Unix systems, albeit slightly different, uh, but but the higher level abstracted uh, interface paradigm. Uh, so I said, there's three of them. There's one called Cinnamon, one called uh, Mate, and one called uh, XFCE. And he said, uh, Cinnamon's a bit heavy um, for something that has only two threads and four gigabytes of RAM. It won't be a very fun experience. Uh, Mate is like old GNOME too. Um, I didn't know what a GNOME was at the time, but I, I you know, Mate is pretty Windows-like. It'll be familiar to you. Uh, and and then XFCE um, is, is very lightweight, but sometimes you have to do the heavy lifting as the end user. If you there's not a whole lot of uh, people publishing their own XFCE, I guess applet. The thing that sits in your system tray, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of people building those types of things and then publishing them and making them easy to find. Um, so he said, just go with Mate. Uh, so that's what I did. I installed Linux Mint uh, Mate version. Um, 
And the interesting thing you told me at this time is it doesn't matter which kind you choose because you don't have to reinstall. You can just install that other thing. Hypothetically, if you had enough disk space, you could install all three of the desktops and then pick between them and you can always change at a later date. Right? It's not a permanent decision picking a desktop. Uh, so that's what I did. I installed Linux Mint on this netbook um, and I used it for about two or three months. It must have only been two months. No, it was shorter than that. It was only one month that I ran Linux Mint. Uh, the reason being, I had apt problems. Uh, the package manager is sort of uh, an exercise in futility. Right? I'm going to keep using these words, exercise in futility and penance. Uh, the penance being uh, bearing the burden of the sins of the fathers who made this bad decision, uh, this bad computing decision. Uh, so I very quickly uh, started writing HTML again. There was a brief gap in time when I had stopped doing any any web dev type stuff. Uh, and I started up again. Um, it's like riding a bike, right? Markdown languages are like riding a bike. You don't ever forget because it's just so simple. Uh, you know, HTML is not a real programming language. You, you have to read documentation for a programming language after you learn it. Uh, for various uh, function calls and system calls. Uh, but for, for a markup language, which is what the M in HTML stands for, uh, like I previously stated, um, once you learn it, you don't forget it. Sometimes you just have to double check uh, when something is behaving strangely. Uh, and I think other things I did, I someone said, hey, you should write C++. Uh, and in retrospect, I think they were pranking me because C++ is the worst possible programming language to tell someone who's never programmed anything outside of, you know, uh, CSS selector logic. Um, that wasn't very fun. Uh, I spent a lot of time learning the uh, Unix shell. Um, I think it was actually Bash at the time. Uh, because the idea behind Bash is someone's told me uh, all of those commands you're learning, you can write a thing called a shell script that pretty much just runs those commands. Uh, so I learned a lot about bash scripting specifically, uh, which I almost regret. And now I, 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 or I instruct people and I lead them, uh, not astray, but towards POSIX because, uh, bashisms give me a headache and I don't want to help them troubleshoot bashisms when POSIX shell uh, does everything you needed to do, and when it doesn't, you should be writing, uh, you should be using a real programming language um, instead of trying to do it all in shell. Um, I learned uh, LaTeX at the time. Uh, I don't write much LaTeX anymore. Uh, now, if I need LaTeX, I will. Eat. Sometimes I write R Markdown. Uh, I don't use R very much, but sometimes I'll write R Markdown uh, and then build it to LaTeX. Uh, or I'll use Markdown and then use Pandoc to sort of build a PDF or, or what I do mostly if people care about presentation. Uh, and you know, people think LaTeX is ugly. I don't. I, I think it's quite charming. Uh, but now what I do for document, uh, preparation is I will write it in Markdown, uh, render it to HTML and then print the web page in Firefox because uh, you know, some of these people, they don't understand that things can look not like a web page. Uh, so they're a little bit confused when you bring them uh, a serif font document with wide margins and page numberings and, you know, this official looking thing. They don't really like that. Um, 
or at least in my anecdotal experience, they don't really like that. Uh, let's see what else. What else did I learn how to do? Um, I started learning Vim. Uh, you know, when you first get into uh, Linux and Unix, you sort of become aware of this subculture in the editor work, right? Uh, so, so people are like uh, saying Vim is better. No, Emacs is better. Uh, you know, and you see all the all the different uh, memes where it's like uh, average Vim user, and it's like the it's like a diagram of the different parts of the brain. Uh, you know, one of those those like uh, T-shirts you see little kids wearing, uh, where it's like uh, it's a diagram of a brain. It'll say like video games and you know soda and you know uh, bike riding. Right? They'll put different things to the parts of the brain. Um, but the Vim user one is like Vim key bindings, and that's the entire brain. That's that's the joke. Uh, and then the Emacs user. Uh, version it's like an octopus on a keyboard because you need you need uh you know octopus hands or, or the emacs foot pedal meme uh i can't remember who uh which person it was or which website but someone someone out there actually has like a usb foot pedal they use in order to be able to use emacs um so i started learning vim uh i i've used emacs here and there i think the longest stretch was about six months uh, but I had to stop using it, uh, pushing the control and alt keys a lot. Uh, it gave me uh, RSI in my hands. Um, so I had to stop doing that. Vim, although sometimes I get tired of pressing the escape key, uh, I don't press it as often um, as often anymore as when I first started using Vim. Uh, uh, but but I learned started learning Vim at the time. Um, Sort of the concept of mobile, uh, not mobile, modal, modal editing, um, and I think this was about the point uh, after I installed a bunch of LaTeX stuff and was writing uh, LaTeX and Vim. Uh, something about apt broke on this Linux Mint system, and I, it was probably something I could troubleshoot now, like a like a dpackage error uh, or sort of an apt cache broke type thing. Um, but in the time, I even I even tried searching the error message and asking on, on Linux Mint IRC, and none of the answers they told me uh, fixed it. Um, so then on a forum post, I saw the uh, people were posting their different distributions with the you know NeoFetch thread, uh, sort of a, a cringe program, uh, but like you know my distribution's cool. This is my identity. This logo, uh, you know, this cool logo in the terminal. Uh, someone posted a Fedora one, and I said, that looks like a cool logo. And I looked at Fedora, and, you know, the same guy who told me to use Linux Mint, he said, either that or buy a Red Hat license, because Red Hat just works. Uh, so I just installed Fedora, because, you know, it's, it's, it's a Red Hat derivative, or I guess... That's the wrong term, because Fedora's a further up the pipe than Red Hat, but but it's a derivative of, of Red Hat, in a sense. Um... That's what I'm recording this on now is Fedora inside of Audacity because my cell phone uh, recorder failed. Uh, it crashed um, after about 40 minutes and I didn't realize it until uh, I had finished. But it's probably for the better because hopefully this audio quality will be uh, better after I remove the uh, the CPU fan in my desktop uh, that's running. 
Uh, it's currently running. It's been booted for a long time, or not booted. It's been powered on for a long time, but I haven't entered the uh, uh, the disk key, <laughs> so it's just been idling. Um, you know that passphrase uh, colon space uh, blinky underscore um, to get the thing to boot. Uh, I should probably unplug it because it's not being used right now. But uh, you know, tangents, tangents. Uh, but after after Fedora. Um, after I installed Fedora, that I still use it. I like it. Fedora is the just works, right? Just works, uh, Unicode trademark symbol. <laughs> just works trademark distribution. Uh, you know, zero headache. Uh, it only breaks if you break it. It's very reliable. Um, I, I only wish the update, uh, update cadence was, was slightly slower. Um, but sort of after after Fedora, I became curious about other distributions. You know, I thought, well, maybe maybe Linux Mint was unreliable and unstable and, and apt broke because uh, you know Mint is a distribution based on a distribution based on a distribution, right? Mint is based on Ubuntu, which is based on Debian, and that's a lot of uh, that's a large chain of failure, if you will. Um, so I tried Debian and. You know, just to find out that no, apt is actually uh, very unreliable. Uh, and and now my opinion is when someone uh, tells me they they run run a Debian OID, I say I'm sorry, I'm I'm sorry for your suffering, <laughs> because apt apt is such a pain to use sometimes. Uh, you know, it's not very reliable um, compared to other package management systems. Um, because it, it just seems to break randomly, even though you don't do anything to it. But, but you know that that's all in good fun. Uh, I, I don't actually I don't actually hate apt. Um, it's mostly just a jab, you know, like RPM versus uh, deb packaging. You know, it's just, they're both tarballs. The metadata is slightly different. The way the way they get installed is slightly different. But fundamentally, uh, I'm not super concerned about what you use. Um, as long as you use something that works and you're okay with its drawbacks. Um, let's see, all of the distributions I've tried, uh, Arch Linux, I don't like it. Uh, OpenSUSE, uh, it's okay. I don't like Yast, though. I, I much prefer uh, a Red Hat way of managing things, um, which is uh, by the command line almost strictly and not... Um, not trying to use this sort of uh, graphical utility that doesn't really work all that well. Um, let's see, other distributions. I've tried Ubuntu. I, I don't really like Ubuntu. Um, the fact that apt pulls in snap packages is enough to make me uh, write it off entirely as a distribution not worth using. Um, because sort of the idea of, of I know what I'm doing. I, I am the systems administrator. I own this computer. I choose what is installed on it and how it is installed. And if I wanted if I wanted a program installed inside of a container, I would have used that command, not the one that says install this program outside of a container on my operating system directly. Um, that's kind of my, my grievance with Ubuntu. Um, Let's see what other distributions I've tried. CentOS uh, or CentOS. I call it CentOS because it's funny. Um, and I also say uh, MacOS instead of MacOS because people don't like when you say MacOS. Uh, they don't understand what you're saying and it's kind of funny uh, to say things 
sort of phonetically, although I've never, never used uh, Mac OS, um, and I don't ever intend to, uh, because it's, re it's really just um, a sort of a botched BSD, if you will. Um, at, at least in theory, that's what it is. Um, you know, with, with various GNU component, ancient GNU components that cause people headache when trying to do anything on the system. Um, other distributions, other Linuxes, let's see. Gentoo. I don't know how I miss Gentoo. I really, really enjoyed running Gentoo. I ran Gentoo for about, uh, two and a half years and I stopped running Gentoo. Um, my, my, my desktop computer was in storage for a very long time. And I, when I brought it back out, I had, I hadn't, you know, ran, ran a portage, uh, upgrade or, or, you know, build job or a sync or anything for a very long time. And anyone who knows about Gentoo, um, who's ever used it, if you don't update at least once a month, you know, if you go for about nine months to 10 months without updating, uh, it becomes a very, very large headache in order to solve. And what that means is resolving portage conflicts by hand and modifying use files by hand and unmerging things just to remerge them. Uh, sort of a multi-step dependency uh, resolution. And I think I had a breaking change with or some sort of un unresolvable conflict. With, I tried, I genuinely tried. Uh, but some sort of unresolvable conflict with, uh, it was either GNOME or SystemD. I think it might have been something with SystemD. Because if it was GNOME, I would have just, uh, removed that, that, uh, ebuild, uh, I think is what it's called. I can't remember. I would have removed that atom, uh, and, uh, chose something else. But it must have been lower in the stack, something I didn't want to bother with. Um, and now I don't have a whole lot of time to uh, run Gen two, um, but but I really I really do enjoy Gen two. Uh, it's one of my favorite uh, Linux distributions um, because you learn so much, and it really really shows the the modularity aspect and the configurability aspect when you can you know uh, build a system entirely without GTK components or entirely without. Uh, uh, cute components or, or or without you know any any sort of pulse audio whatsoever you can just black black out that line and uh, it just builds just fine right it just kind of shows the modularity of it um, at some point uh, I, I discovered what uh, BSD was uh, uh, I, I I think now I would probably consider myself more of a, a BSD guy than a Linux guy um, and that's almost purely for POSIX reasons and portability reasons. Uh, and also because, um, BSD lets me sleep at night and Linux is kind of a pain sometimes. Um, uh, but I tried FreeBSD. I installed it on my laptop. I brought that laptop to class with, with FreeBSD on it. Uh, and it works just fine. Um, occasionally there are or at least I've noticed, uh, sometimes the, the graphics, uh, kernel module would be a little buggy. That, that's not a thing anymore, really. I haven't noticed those graphics bugs in a long time. Uh, sometimes audio is buggy, but I haven't noticed that in a long time, right? This, this was kind of, uh, this, this is years ago, uh, 
probably about five years ago. So there's a lot of improvements in the operating system since then. Uh, I also played with uh, OpenBSD uh, quite a bit, and that, that's currently what I run on my web servers. All, all of my servers run BSD. Um, I haven't touched uh, NetBSD all that much. I mean, I've done an installation. I think I set up an IRC bouncer, and then I never used it. I, I'm not on IRC much. I gen I generally like to be. Uh, I generally like to be be left alone, and I, and I don't generally like to, to to argue argue about things with people uh, in an environment where where your distribution is so so tied to your identity that when someone points out a demerit of your distribution, uh, you feel as if it's a personal attack uh, because you're sort of you know you're sort of constructed your world around this identitarian uh, a paradigm. Uh, I generally don't like those types of environments. Um, identitarianism, you know, you are not what, what you think you are. You, you know, a man is a sum of his actions, not, 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 not a sum of his, uh, imaginary attributes, right? Um, so sort of the intangible things. Uh, uh there's my gripe with the internet anyway. Uh, lots of gripes. Um, uh, um, let's see. What else have I used? Um, I mean, I think we've all played with the Lumos once or twice. Um, Plan 9, I ran Plan 9 on a laptop that I didn't take anywhere for just long enough to write a couple of Plan 9C programs, and now that laptop runs FreeBSD because I needed to test uh, some shell scripts and C programs against um, FreeBSD. Uh, and also because uh, when writing C, uh, debugability is important, right? So, so OpenBSD is kind of somewhat difficult to debug userland programs, uh, and that's because they do ASLR, um, and it's in a way that the GNU debugger doesn't uh, really like. Um, and FreeBSD is slightly more debuggable than uh, OpenBSD. And then Linux, uh, GDB works quite well on Linux. Uh, the, de the debugger hooks into more parts of the system um, to tell you, you know, what line of your source code things are on. And, and also, uh, what's the program called? Valgrind, uh, V-A-L-G-R-I-N-D. Um, that program seems to be a little bit more verbose on Linux, although this could be purely anecdotal and pure superstition. Uh, on my part, um, but that's why that, that laptop no longer runs Plan 9, it now runs FreeBSD. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, that's pretty much my software stack. I currently run Linux on my laptop, right, Fedora, uh, OpenBSD on all of my web servers, uh, OpenBSD on one of the desktops in my house. I think technically I run Debian, I have a Raspberry Pi uh, plugged into the network. Um, that does DNS for me, uh, some like DNS blocking stuff. Although it's kind of interesting because sometimes uh, the router won't give, uh, you know, the, the cable provided router won't give the correct uh, DNS server address. Instead, it gives the, the second one, uh, right? So instead of sending the local DNS server as the primary, uh, it will send, I think, is it Quad9 or Cloud9? Uh, I, I think that's my upstream DNS. I, I can't remember which one I said it to. Um, but yeah, um, 
let's see, programming, oh, I guess devices. Let's finish devices before programming languages. Um, uh, I, have, I have a Google Pixel uh, phone. The reason I bought a Google Pixel is for the sole purpose of running uh, Lineage OS. Um, what happened was I wanted to de-Google an Android phone. Uh, for my job, I, I need a cell phone. Um, it's, it's a necessary evil. Um, and at least for me, something that helps me sleep at night with a little less paranoia is knowing that most of the operating system and the components required to make the device function and not just be a hunk of glass and plastic and uh, rocks, right? That's what silicon is. The rock we tricked into thinking. <laughs> rock we tricked into doing math. Um, uh, I didn't want like a, like a flip phone because a lot of those are... Uh, some people might think simpler, but not as free. Um, so on my on my my Google Pixel phone, I run uh, Graphene OS. Uh, Graphene OS is a hardened anti-Google ROM. Um, no Google services at all. Uh, I, I get apps from Fdroid. Um, pretty much, it functions as a cell phone. Uh, and, and an MP3 player and a podcatcher. Um, but M MP3 player is the incorrect word because I encode all my music into, uh, open formats like, like AUG. Uh, that's the container, right? Because libvorbis is everywhere. Um, but MP3 codecs, uh, you know, the royalties and whatnot, it, it doesn't sit right with me. Um, so everything's in opus. Well, not Opus, whatever. It's in one of the free formats. Not flat, because that's too large to put on the phone, but, you know, this is something with variable bit rate. It doesn't really matter, because you're not going to get high-fidelity audio out of, out of a cell phone, no matter how hard you try, especially if it's going over Bluetooth or over, your, you know, your, your oxidized uh, 3.5-millimeter audio jack. Um, and that's been oxidized and filled with dirt, right? The port's full of dirt, and it's oxidized. You're not going to get good audio out of it. Um, that's pretty much my tech stack. Uh, okay, now programming languages. Um, I, my web language-wise, um, HTML is not a real programming language. CSS isn't a real programming language. Um, PHP, I, I like PHP. I think it's the only good, uh, server-side programming language. Um, specifically because when you write PHP, uh, and you include libraries, you're only including things that have been audited by your distribution maintainer, where when you run something like, like Rails uh, or, or Django um, or what are the other ones, right? The, the one, I think there's another Python one. Um, but how the, the infrastructure for those sort of, uh, I guess, server-side uh, programs is download a bunch of random stuff from GitHub. Um, and you know what makes me not sleep well at night? Uh, knowing that my web server is entirely dependent, right? The security of my web server is entirely depend dependent on a bunch of people on GitHub, who, you know, trusting people on GitHub uh, without without sort of a third-party auditor that, that is the, the package maintainer. Um, and those people on GitHub trusting other people on GitHub to, to sort of do their due diligence and audit their their code, right? I, I don't sleep very well at night, um, 
or I guess I, I don't know how other people sleep very well at night when their website runs on, on random random things they downloaded from GitHub without even reading the source code. Uh, you know, sort of the include someone else's program and then execute the someone else's program function, right? That's also not a very satisfying way to, to build something. Uh, but PHP, that, that's my web language of choice. Um, everything else is kind of... Uh, not, I mean, PHP is incorrect, right? It's not a very, I don't like it, but uh, it's the least bad web language we have, um, especially if you're not running WordPress, right? If you write your own, it's actually pretty secure. Um, uh, systems programming, I like the C programming language, uh, strictly POSIX compliant C. I don't like GNU C because it, it's too big and convoluted and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I really, really do not like reading GNU info pages. Uh, the, whatever pager, whatever pager uh, old Stallman chose, uh, he, he probably could have just chose the existing pager, but you know, nope, GNU has to be different, right? Different for the sake of being different. Um, I don't like reading info pages. They seem less less complete than man pages, in my opinion, and a lot of the ways to... Uh, you know, the man, the GNU man pages are incomplete because they want you to read the info pages, but the info pages are incomplete because no one wants to write an info page because everyone knows how to write a man page, right? Uh, what, what was the starting thought? I lost it because um, I got distracted about info pages. Uh, something about GNU. No, POSIX C, right? I like POSIX C because it's portable. Um, and and it's portable across architectures and operating systems. Um, uh, also, POSIX shell for a similar idea. Right? If you need to write something quick, write it in shell. If shell becomes too limiting, uh, if you can't accomplish what you want to do in shell, um, it's probably time to write a small C utility to fill that uh, that that uh, spot in in the pipe. Um, in the pipe of Unix commands. Uh, let's see what else. Um, sometimes R, I don't write a lot of R anymore. Uh, I, I mean, I, I did an R course in college and, or no, it was a statistics course in college. And I'm very, I'm very, very thankful that the professor was an R guy. Uh, uh, because I'm not going to pay for a SAS license, and God, God forbid I have to use Excel for anything, you know. Uh, that's kind of my opinion on Excel, is that it's spreadsheets are the worst possible tool for every possible job. Um, because if you, if you think you need Excel uh, or a spreadsheet, I, I say Excel specifically because uh, a, a lot of people, right, the... Circling back to the sort of Microsoft indoctrination classes, right? The, the giving schools free free Microsoft licenses. Uh, a lot of people don't know what a spreadsheet is because they didn't learn the higher level concept. They only know what an Excel is. Um, so you know, oh yeah, I'll email you that Excel sheet. It's like, is this Excel what? It confuses me. Um, but I always tell people Excel is the worst possible tool for every job. If you think you need Excel. Uh, what you actually need is pen and paper. And and if you know you need Excel, what you actually need is a database. Um, uh, that's kind of my opinion on things. 
you know, for statistical analysis, uh, R is the best choice. It's free. It's open source. Uh, it's a Unix tool. You know, it's based on the S language, right? It's an ancient Unix tool that they made open source. Um, and for anyone curious about R, uh, um, install R Studio. I think R Studio is open source. They don't ship it in Fedora um, because of whatever weird licensing. Uh, but R Studio is an IDE, and that's kind of the one exception I make for IDEs. Is when I'm using R, uh, the purpose is to visualize data, and that is the one context where an IDE is useful. Um, because when you when you uh, plot your distribution and you compare it to a normal distribution, um, it's easier to to visually see that and visually identify what your distribution looks like. Uh, than reading, you know, various values spit out by a function that you don't quite understand. Uh, because really, really, at the end of the day, you're just a monkey punching numbers into a computer to tell tell management that, that their uh, their process is broken, <laughs> right? Uh, th thankfully, I don't have that job anymore. Uh, I, I have, I've recently got a new job, and it's... Uh, um, it's entirely different, but, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, not having to touch Windows, uh, not, not having to, you know, that's the only time I'll touch Windows if someone's paying me to do it. You know, not having to fight spreadsheets all day, that type of thing. Um, yeah, I already said Editor's Vim. Um, I think that's about it for programming languages. Um... Yeah, so I think that's my intro to computer show with some opinions. Um, uh, sprinkled throughout. Uh, I think future episode ideas I have, I want to do one on uh, why Unix is sublime. Um, I think that would be an interesting episode. Uh, second idea, uh, why POSIX is sublime. Uh, that might actually be part of the Unix episode. Um, I, I still have to think about that more. Um, another idea I had, why C is sublime, sort of a, a, sublimin, a sub, subliminality, uh, not subliminality. It's kind of a hard word to say, sublimality, uh, right? Words are strange sometimes. Something about C, specifically POSIX C, uh, and the reasons, I guess, discussing the merits and demerits of, of purely POSIX C, and sort of why I like that. Uh, programming language and sort of paradigm. Um, another idea I had was uh, discussing the security mitigations in, in OpenBSD. Um, that's an episode I'll have to do a little bit more research on. You know, those things leave my head. Uh, the, thi the things that are sort of permanently in my brain are, are not necessarily, uh, you know, the specifics on OpenBSD security mitigation. Uh, security mitigations, but, but sort of uh, the idea that it is secure um, for various reasons, right? Right. It's not necessarily a security theater, uh, although critics will call it a security theater. Um, uh, but sort of, right, right. The fact that their web server runs in a cheroot, right? That's enough to make me trust these that these guys know what they're doing, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, the fact that you don't need a, a root access to start an X session, right? That type of stuff makes me trust them, uh, even without memorizing the specifics. Um, 
Another idea, I think I mentioned Plan 9 in the show, and I'm about to mention again at the very close of the show. Um, an episode about Plan 9. Uh, Plan 9 from Bell Labs was a research operating system. It's like Unix, but but way more Unix-y. Um, it's pretty much vaporware, right? And there's not a whole lot that ever came of it, except for the uh, uh, 9P file system. Um, 9P file system is everywhere. Uh, all, all the Microsoft uh, virtualization stuff uses 9P. Uh, uh, sort of the Microsoft, you know, don't don't install Linux, guys. Stay on Windows, please. Stay on Windows. We have Linux on Windows too, right? Right there. There, there. Linux virtual machine stack thing uh, that all runs on 9P. All the file transfer stuff. Um, so, so some parts of Plan Nine, right? Like private namespaces that made it to Linux. I can talk about uh, Plan Nine more, but that's going to require. You know, same thing with OpenBSD research analyst. Um, I think I also want to do an episode on sort of the virtues of the BSDs and when you want, uh, when you when you're BSD curious, almost, almost. Um, I think a lot of Linux guys are, especially people who have been burned by systemd one or two times. Uh, they're curious about what a more peer or I guess pedigree uh, Unix system could look like and how you could use it. Um, so that's something I might make an episode on is sort of which BSD is right for you and sort of, you know, why, why BSD is not Linux, even, even though the more historically correct approaches is why, why Linux is not Unix, uh, and why BSD is Unix. Um, I, there are a couple other ideas somewhere, somewhere strewn throughout there. Um, but if any of these ideas sound appealing, uh, reach out and say something and sort of instruct me on which one to do next. Um, as with all things, feedback is encouragement. Uh, so if this hits any eardrums out there, you know, which one of these ideas that I've presented, uh, or I guess potential shows I've presented is most interesting to you, um... And which one should I do an episode on? Because I'm really impartial, right? I'm going to talk about this stuff regardless. Um, but if there is an order of preference or maybe sort of advice on like, hey, maybe we should do do the Unix episode before the Plan 9 episode. That way, that way there's sort of a through line uh, so people understand. Or, or, or I don't know. I don't know. I can't I can't assume uh, that the audience is, you know, expert level um on Unix, Unix philosophy, Unix ideas. Uh, I don't even think I'm an expert at sort of these Unixy ideas, uh, but that might be something to cover before other things. I'm not sure. Uh, so any advice there? Um, it's been almost an hour. I think I'm going to end the show here. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah. Co comment or whatever it is, however you want to reach out and, and uh, say, hey, do this next. I want to hear about this more than that. Um, or even present me some ideas based on what I've said. Uh, and I don't know, I feel like I might have been a little bit, uh, a little bit negative in, in this episode, a little bit of an emotional response. Uh, but don't, don't take that to heart. Um, I think a little bit of banter is okay. And you have to remember, uh, you know, I am not my tools, you know, say all you want, you know, BSD is bad or whatever. You're BSD zealot. Okay. Uh, whatever you say. Um, 
but you know, you you are more than the tools that you use, right? To, tools to get the job done, uh, not necessarily. You know, they don't define who you are, um, uh, right? Just because you don't like, right? I guess just because I don't like uh, a specific way way of programming doesn't mean I'm not you know a computer user, right? Right? A man is his actions, not his tools. Uh, I don't like this programming language, but in the end, we're both programmers, right? That's that's the common thing. Uh, we're programmers, but with different approaches. Similarly, uh, Linux users, or I guess Unix users, but with different approaches to, to how to use a Unix system. Um, uh, maybe I'll try it. That's something I have to think about, right? Maybe less emotional response to these types of things that I dislike. Um, but, but maybe sometimes the sort of over-exaggerated emotional response can be humorous. Uh, let, let me know either way. I'm sort of just feeling the waters, uh, what, what types of things are enjoyed. And, and I do appreciate humorous content a little bit more than, um, you know, maybe humorous content that sort of edges close to a line, uh, a line that, that you don't necessarily want to cross. Um, I almost appreciate that more than sort of like dry, uh, cut and paste content. That's why I've sort of used these exaggerative words like, you know, penance and, uh, you know, context, seven circles of context menu hell, uh, and sort of, um, exercise in futility, right? Um, because it's, it's exaggerating quite a bit, but, but the exaggerations, um, is kind of how you feel in that moment of frustration. Um, uh, so, so I think I'll end it here. Um, ways to contact me, uh, my, my website, uh, that's really the only internet presence I have. Uh, is ox19.org. That's 0x19.org. Um, I was kind of surprised the domain name wasn't taken, uh, so I got the domain name. And, and then, and then when I went to make a, an account on, on GitLab.com, I said, "Hey, I'll just use my my domain name." Uh, guess what? It didn't work out. So because someone else, everyone wants to be an opcode. Everyone wants to be you know 0x int 0x19 or 0x19. Or, or into 19H or 19H, or everyone wants to be a cool opcode. Um, that's what they want their handle to be. Uh, so I chose a Plan 9 reference instead because nobody knows what Plan 9 is. Um, uh, so, so my, my GitLab account, there, there's some projects there, some source code. Uh, I don't know if any of it will be useful, but there's some trinkets in there. Uh, you know, just basically toy programs. I'm not a programmer by trade. I just think it's fun. My job doesn't have hardly any computers involved. Uh, my new job, which is, you know, almost, it almost makes computing at home more enjoyable. Um, uh, but, but my GitLab account, uh, you can find that. It's gitlab.com slash binrc. Uh, that's B-I-N-R-C. That's a Plan 9 reference. Um, on my website, I think there's a contact page. I have PGP keys there. I haven't tested them at all, so if you if you have the ability or if you know what PGP is, uh, send me a PGP message. Um, I'm curious to see if I set it up right. I'm going. I used to run a mail server, but now I'm going through. I just pay Proton Mail for me um, because I got sick of all of my my mail to uh, Google servers being bounced. Uh, and, you know, it's really hard to run a mail server. Um, really, really hard to run a mail server when all of the other uh, big mailing companies uh, don't like you, don't like that you're trying to run your own mail server because they want to make sure they can read your messages, right? Sort of that privacy thing. Um, 
I, I guess one last idea before I end the show is um, uh, a Graphene OS episode, right? A Graphene OS mitigation, maybe something on Android. Uh, but but anyway, uh, thank you for listening. I'm going to try to edit this audio a little bit, uh, see how it turned out. Um, so yeah, visit visit my website. Uh, let, let me know how I did. Provide criticisms. I don't know if I really gave any hard opinions. Mostly just like um, almost uh, exaggerative uh, hyperbole um, and sort of a sense of sarcasm and, and maybe even satirical irony at points. Um, uh, but yeah, give me feedback. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. Um, ho- hope you enjoyed. Uh, If not, tell me and I'll stop recording shows. If it was that bad, right? You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.